Benley was born in 1865 near Jericho, Vermont. He was the son of a farmer, and he never attended school until he was 14 years old. But Bentley's mother was a former school teacher, and from her he acquired a lively curiosity about nature's minutiae, the things that most people just take for granted were the things that Wilson Bentley became amazed with, feathers and insects and, and little bits of stone. Those things excited his interest. And so by the time that he was eight, he had made a collection of almost every species of fern that grew in Vermont. But on that 15th birthday, when his mother gave him a microscope so he could further his study of the intricacies of nature, it was snowing. And all of the things that normally delighted him were buried under a blanket of fresh white snow. So Wilson turned his attention to the snow. And using his new microscope to zoom in on an individual snowflake in the fleeting moment before it melted, he glimpsed the dazzling beauty of a snowflake. What he saw was incredible. It had intricate patterns that were replicated perfectly on all six points. It was a genuine work of art, a natural masterpiece. That day excited a passion in Wilson that never subsided. By the time that he was 20 years old, the farm boy had perfected a technique for photographing snowflakes. His father and brother could not understand why he fussed over snowflakes. In fact, everyone thought he was kind of flaky because of his obsession with snow. But during the next 50 years, Wilson Bentley took over 5,000 enlarged photographs of snowflakes. And he eventually published a book of his exquisite photographs and late in his life he gained a reputation, a worldwide reputation as an expert on snow. In all of his photographs of snowflakes, Bentley never found two that were alike. In fact, he was the very first person to recognize and catalog the fact that no two snowflakes are alike. Bentley said every crystal is a masterpiece of design and no one design was ever repeated. When a snowflake melted, that design was forever lost. Just that much beauty, Bentley said, was gone without ever leaving any record of its existence behind. Wilson Bentley photographed over 5,000 snowflakes and found every single one of them to be unique. Now think about it for a minute. There are over 10 million snowflakes in a single cup of snow. The amount of snowflakes that can fall in just one hour of a heavy snowfall like we had Wednesday night is staggering to the mind. And each of those snowflakes is uniquely different from every other one that falls from the sky. If you want to know, for my son Rockland's benefit, the mathematical probabilities involved in two snowflakes ever being the same, scientists have calculated that the chances of two snowflakes being exactly alike are about one in a million trillion. 
Now that sounds nice, but that is a 10 followed by 17 zeros. Right now there's a pile of snow out there on the edge of the area where we, we let folks out of the vehicle this morning that uh, Brother Donnie and Rockland and myself piled up when we were shoveling off the drive. And I think it's somewhere around uh, two, two and a half feet tall now. It was probably about three foot tall before the sun got to it. That's a lot of snowflakes, folks. There are 18 billion snowflakes in a single cubic feet of snow, cubic foot of snow. One 12 inches wide, 12 inches deep, 12 inches tall, 18 million snowflakes. And not a single one of them is like any other that ever was made. Here's the first lesson of three that I want you to learn from a snowflake today. You are unique. You were made by the same God who created from the conditions of random chance that worked together to create an intricately and elegantly designed individual snowflake, one that is like no other, that rains from the heavens at a rate of trillions per hour, but each one is unique and different, having six identical points on the snowflake, but being unlike any other snowflake that was ever made. That same God that went to all that trouble to create a fine masterpiece of art that fades uh, in the morning sun. Uh, that same God made you. And if he cares enough to invest individual and flawless design into every snowflake that falls from the heavens, uh, how much more on this Sunday afternoon must he care about your life, uh, about this thing that he has created in his own image? Uh, the snow wasn't made in his image, uh, but the hand of the creator created the atmosphere and created the conditions uh, that every single snowflake that falls uh, is individual. It is unique and it is beautiful, marked by the hand of God. How much more has he invested of himself in creating you? Job said of God in Job 10 and 8, thine hands have made me and fashioned me together. The very hands of God have framed you and have fashioned your life. He made you, and he made you uniquely you. Uh, there's no one else on earth uh, like you. Uh, there's no one else uh, that has the same experiences that you have. Uh, there's no one else uh, that can do the same things uh, that you can do. There never has been another person just like you, and there never will be another person person just like you. There is no one else on earth that has the same qualities, the same characteristics, uh, and the same qualifications uh, that you have. I want you to know on this Sunday afternoon that God himself intentionally made you who you are. That God, the same God that calls the snow from its storehouse and ensures that each individual flake is unique. I want you to know he crafted you, my Bible says, uh, in your mother's womb. Uh, before you were ever born, uh, he set a course for your life. Uh, he pulled forth a plan and a purpose. Uh, if you were to search the whole world, you wouldn't find any two people who have the same fingerprint or footprint, or voice print, 
or even the same arrangement of, 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 of color in their eyes. Each person is unique. That's the first lesson I want you to get from a snowflake. Brother McCall, why is that such an important lesson to learn? Because, my friend, it helps you to understand that you are here today by divine design. You're not here by accident. You're not here just because of events that happened by random chance uh, in your life. Uh, God fashioned you and he formed you and he made you perfect uh, according to his plan and purpose for your life. And you as a person are a combination of many seemingly random things that have happened to you. Not only your fingerprint, your voice print, your footprint, even the design of the iris of your eye completely unique, uh, but you're further made an individual by other factors. You've got DNA that you inherited from a combination of your mother and your father, whom they inherited from a combination of their mother and their father, whom they inherited for generations back. Uh, the makeup of who you are has been, has been formed and crafted by your own unique lineage that no other person on this world has. You're further made an individual by the fact that you have endured certain things in your life. You've seen certain things. There are things that have impacted your personality and your character, the compilation of all your life experiences. Everything that has happened to you along the way has helped craft you into the person that you are today. And I come to tell somebody in this house today, you're not an accident. I come to tell somebody in this place today, your life matters. It's important to God. Your education, your work, your skills, your talents, the mistakes you've made, the things that are in your past, all of that combines together to make you uniquely you. And you are exactly what God wants you to be right here and right now. The psalmist said in Psalm 139 and 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. David lived in an age where science was rudimentary at best, but he saw enough of the intricacy and individuality of the human life to recognize the fact that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and that knowledge inspired David to praise. I will praise you, God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. As we consider... The snowflakes. I told somebody I was going to preach on snow, and they said, I hope you're preaching against it. Amen. As we consider the snowflakes this morning, uh, I want you to consider uh, the, the uniqueness of its design and understand uh, that you, too, are uniquely fashioned by God. He didn't forget about you. He, he didn't make everybody else according to his plan, but somehow leave you out. He hasn't overlooked your life. He hasn't stuck you off in a corner where random circumstance uh, governs you. I want you to know in this place uh, on this Sunday afternoon that your life is not random at all. The circumstances that have brought you to this house, uh, to this service, and this place uh, on this Sunday afternoon uh, are not the product of chance. God has made you into the person that you are right now. And if he's made you this way, then he's made you that way for a reason. Amen. That enough ought to be enough uh, to stir us to worship. I praise you, God, for I, 
I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's the first thing you need to realize uh, on the Sunday afternoon. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My my life is in the hands uh, of a creator God uh, who has fashioned and formed me. I want you to let the snowflake remind you that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That leads me to the second thing that we need to learn today from a snowflake. What stunned and motivated Wilson Bentley to study snow was the tremendous balance of order and recklessness that exists in the cycle that creates a snowflake. Whatever their pattern and variety, all snow crystals have six points. That fact intrigued the German astronomer Johannes Kepler. In 1610, he wrote a book called The Six-Cornered Snowflake. Why, Kepler asked in his book, do snowflakes fall as six-cornered starlets? There must be a cause, he said, for if it happens by chance, then why don't snowflakes fall with five corners or with seven? And at the end of his book, Kepler confessed his ignorance and he left the problem uh, of the snowflake symmetry for future generations to figure out. The riddle of the snowflake, the riddle of its six intricate yet identical points has long since been solved. Physicists have traced the snowflake's six-sided secret to the form of the water molecule and ultimately to the laws of atomic binding that give the water molecule its shape. Water is a combination of an atom of oxygen linked with two atoms of hydrogen. And when those two combine, they do so in a regular six-sided shape. The six sides of the water molecule are what form the foundation for the six points of the snowflake. They're what gives it its shape. But their growth as crystals has an element of randomness to it that gives them their individuality. The science behind a snowflake is incredible. If you'll grant me just a few moments to pursue my interest in science, I want to just share with you some of the science that goes into forming that individual unique snowflake that falls from the heavens. The snowflake is symmetrical because it reflects the internal order of the water molecule and the crystals that make up the snowflake are compiled together in a predetermined order because of the atomic structure that builds it. In other words, it isn't just random chance that decides that when a molecule joins in one place, it joins in six places, six identical molecules. That's the way the atomic structure was designed and built by God. And so the order in which a snowflake develops is is driven by the design of God, by the molecules and the atomic binding and the laws that rule that. But if that's all there was to it, then all snowflakes would look identical because they all come together by that prescribed, predetermined plan. But that's not all there is to it. That's just the beginning. The intricate shape of each of the six arms of a snowflake is determined by the atmospheric conditions that it encounters as it falls from the heavens. 
Snowflakes look stable. If, you, if you've ever had the opportunity to, to catch one on a piece of black silk or black suit coat and really look at it with your naked eye, you can see the points and you can see the form, and they look like a stable thing that exists, but they're really not. On an atomic level, snowflakes are a frenzy of activity. Those water molecules are shifting and binding together as the electronic bonds between them are made and broken a million times in a second. The fault lines that cause those crystals to form jump from place to place and are repaired just instantly as they begin to reshape that crystal. And the crystal begins to grow arms in one direction. Then uh, minutes or even seconds later, the atmosphere changes, the temperature changes, the humidity changes, some other external force changes, and, and the crystal grows in a different direction in a different way. But the entire time, all six points form the same but no snowflake forms like the one just beside it that's fallen through the same conditions falling through the same atmosphere every one is intricate is exquisite and is unique because even though they fall from the same cloud they fall through the same atmospheric conditions what each of them encounters is unique just the small space of time or small space of distance apart that they are temperatures change humidity changes pressures change and the the elements that determine the way they form change and over one trillion times an hour an intricate yet beautiful snowflake is formed and falls from the heavens to the earth now i lost some of you your eyes have glazed over you think you're in biology class. This is the heart of one of nature's most profound mysteries. Beauty and structure come out of a delicate balance of order and disorder. Out of chaos, there comes the unique beauty of a snowflake. And the second lesson that I want you to learn, the reason why I had to go through all that science that lost some of you, is because there's a divine plan to the chaos of your life. There's a divine plan to the different circumstances that you encounter. Your, your life may seem to you like a compilation of random chance, but I want you to know on this Sunday afternoon that there's a divine order to the events and happenings of your life. Uh, all those external forces uh, that shape you and form you and move you and make you, while they may seem to be random to the casual observer, I want you to know on this Sunday afternoon that your life is ordered by the hand of God. Uh, every event in your life uh, has been divinely orchestrated uh, to bring you to the place uh, where God is calling you to because God has a plan. Uh, God has a purpose for your life. Uh, there is a design. Uh, amen. It's not just random chance. Uh, it's not just you think that you got uh, in the situation you got in because of some stupid thing that you did. You think that you've encountered uh, because your mother abandoned you or because because your father hurt you or because somewhere along the way somebody did wrong to you. What you don't understand is your life has been divinely ordered by God. 
that he has directed your footsteps, that he has prepared the way before you, that he has caused uh, everything to come together and culminate at this place, uh, in this time, uh, in this house, uh, because God has a calling. Uh, God has a purpose. Uh, God has a plan for your life. You didn't just wander into this church house uh, on this Sunday afternoon by accident. Amen. You were put here by the hand of God. Uh, I'm not just preaching this sermon uh, by chance today. There's somebody uh, under the sound of my voice uh, that you need to take heed uh, and you need to hear. Uh, Amen. You're not a mistake. Uh, You were designed by God. Uh, You're not an accident. Uh, God made you for a reason. Uh, You were shaped uh, for a purpose. Uh, God uh, has put everything thing uh, that has happened to you in your life so far together for a reason. You were planned before birth. The Lord told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1 and 5, before I formed you in the womb. Our recollection of history or our idea of the, the, the process of life begins in the womb, but God said before I even formed you in the wind, womb, uh, before the very beginning, as far back as we can go, God said, before I formed you, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. The Bible clearly teaches then that you were purposefully and personally planned and designed by God. His loving hand made you exactly the way you are. You are you because God wanted you to be you. Uh, He gave you unique uh, uh, spiritual gifts. Uh, He gave you a unique heart. Uh, He gave you unique abilities. Uh, He gave you a unique personality. And he gave you a lifetime uh, of unique experiences. Uh, of mountaintops that you climbed, uh, of places of joy, uh, and and times that you've enjoyed, uh, and valleys that you've gone through, uh, and places of sheer desolation uh, and depression, uh, and moments when you didn't understand uh, why this has to happen to me. uh, And God's put it all together, uh, and he's formed you into exactly what he wants you to be. The way you've been put together will affect every area of your life, your relationships, your career, your finances, your enjoyment, the things you take pleasure from, your hobbies, your recreations. Your uniqueness is what God wants from you. It's what God wants to offer the world through you. God made you because you can minister to a hurt world like nobody else can. You can minister to lost people like nobody else can. There is a ministry that only you can fulfill. There's a uniqueness about the circumstances that have formed your life, those seeming random events uh, that have conspired together to make you who you are, that have fashioned you into a tool that God desires to use. You were made for a singular purpose. Oh, but Brother McCall, I blew that a long time ago. My friend, don't even begin to fool yourself. 
the same God uh, who watches over the snowflake uh, as it falls from the heavens uh, and allows the updraft to push it back up again and then the, the wind to suck it back down again uh, and over and over again through the tur- turbulent, uh, chaotic, atmospheric pressures uh, and then finally produces that beautiful, intricate work of art. That same God uh, is watching over your life. Uh, that same God, uh, when you think you've blown it, uh, makes a way where there didn't seem to be anyway and opens up a path uh, for mercy and grace to minister to you. That same God uh, is looking down on you on this Sunday afternoon saying, I have made you. uh, I have formed you. uh, I have fashioned you for a purpose. Lessons that you can learn from a snowflake. Uh, There is a work uh, that only you can do. uh, And the circumstances of your life have not invalidated that. Rather, they have made that a reality. There is a ministry that only you can aspire to. Nobody else can do what you can do. Because of what God has allowed to transpire in your life. He has blessed you with experiences that are both good and bad. He has blessed you with circumstances that have been both pleasant and terrible to endure. But he has uniquely equipped you to minister to some individual in this world that desperately needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's nobody else that has the qualifications that you have. To reach them with that message. We can marvel at the snowflake. But we as human beings are much more complex than the snowflake. And each of us has been endowed by God with a completely unique spectrum of gifts and anointings and callings and ministries. And each of us can do things and say things and think things and present things in different ways that nobody else can. And each of us was made. Every, some of you, 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 when the preacher gets to this point in the message, you discount yourself. He's talking to everybody but me. Everybody under the sound of my voice. Everybody in this house you were created to fill a specific role in the kingdom of God. He has a plan for your life in a hurting world. Every need must be addressed. Every lost soul must be reached. And if we're going to accomplish that task, uh, then every one of us has to feel the role that God has given for us uh, in the kingdom of God. Every one of us must excel at being the unique individual that God has made us to be. Let's learn a lesson from the snowflakes that covered the parking lot this week. They were formed in randomly, seemingly random, chaotic circumstances. But when they finally made landfall, there was a specific, ordered, and unique six-pointed design to every one of them. Let the snowflake teach you today that God made you for purpose. That God has walked with you along the chaotic course of your life. And that God has brought you to the place that he has called you to. To fulfill a role that only you 
can feel. And that brings me back to my text and to the final lesson that we can learn from a snowflake. A few years ago when I was studying this subject, I discovered something that I never knew about snow. Every snowflake has a tiny piece of dust, a tiny piece of dust at its core. Snow crystals begin their growth on a nucleus of wind-borne dust. So every beautiful, intricate snowflake carries at the center of that phenomenal, awe-inspiring design an invisible grain of dirt. I know I just ruined your snow cream recipe. This is how snow forms. Somewhere high in the heavens, a water molecule bonds to a speck of dust and gains the weight necessary to begin to fall through the atmosphere. And it happens over and over and over again as it falls, more water molecules bond to it and they do it in that systematic pattern that I've talked about and the, the, the bonds that cause atoms and molecules to bond together, they form in that crystal pattern that is predetermined by God. And as it passes through the atmosphere, as it gathers its branches and its points and finally falls to the earth as a complete and unique snowflake, at the core of it is a little bitty piece of dirt. I got to admit, I was shocked when I discovered that a particle of airborne dust provides the nucleus around which a snowflake grows. Every intricate, immaculate, beautiful snowflake has a dirty heart at its core. The beautiful crystal with its incredible design conceals at the heart a single speck of dirt. And when you look at it from the outside, it's brilliant, white, a wonderland, a frozen crystal that seems so pure and flawless. Yet somewhere deep down inside, on a level that you and I cannot see, there is a hidden in the heart of the snowflake, a tiny piece of dirt. When you think about it, it quickly becomes obvious that we have more in common with a snowflake than we ever imagined because we also possess a dirty heart. We also possess that central inner core that has been marred and marked by sin that has stained us, that has left us with a dirty heart. No matter how well we dress up the outside, no matter how perfect the facade that we put on may be, the human heart inside of us is inherently tarnished by sin. Each and every one of us has the same problem that the snowflake has. At the heart of the issue, our heart has been stained by sin. But I'm here to tell you this Sunday afternoon, it doesn't have to stay that way. Through the prophet Isaiah, God made an invitation to you and me. He said in Isaiah 1 and 18, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. 
I'm on board with the rest of the adults and hope it never snows again. But the thing that I love about a snowfall is how it changes everything. It doesn't matter how messy your yard is or how uneven it is or the, the weeds that have grown in among the grass or the trash that may be that whatever, whatever the condition is. In the morning after that snowfall, you get up and you look out the window and everything is perfect. It is beautiful. It is gorgeous. A blanket of snow covers all the impurities. It covers all the imperfections. It covers everything. The whole world is transformed into a winter wonderland. Everything is made brand new by the miracle of snow. God has extended to each of us an invitation to experience a similar transformation in the spiritual realm. When the blood of Jesus is applied to our hearts, it cleanses us from all sin. God removes every stain, washes us whiter than snow. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 51 and 7, Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Cleanse me, David said, and I shall be not as white as snow, but whiter than snow. How do you get whiter than snow? I don't know how many of you went outside without sunglasses on. Find out real quick. It's a pretty white, pretty bright substance. And you come back in Harrison and said everything is pink. The whole world changed. Your eyes get adapted and dilated and are, are narrowed down or whatever they do to adapt to that, that brilliant white. How do you get whiter than snow? The answer lies in the third and final lesson that we're going to learn from a snowflake today. In the Hebrew language, there are two words that express the different kinds of washing. That it, and, and the two words are always used in a distinctive manner to indicate the kind of washing that is taking place. One word for wash has to do with the kind of washing that only cleanses the surface of an object that water cannot penetrate. That's the kind of wash that you do when you wash your truck. You know, you, you can't get, you're just washing the outside. Or when you mop a floor, you're washing the outside. You, you can't wash it through and through because you can't get to the inside. The water can just touch the surface of it. It can just glaze it over. That's the kind of washing that takes place in the, the formation of a snowflake. There, that speck of dust, that speck of dirt that is at the center, it is concealed. It's hidden. It's, it's transformed. And on the surface, it becomes beautiful. And it becomes white. And it becomes brilliant and gorgeous. But at the core... It's still dirty. Just like the pristine, tranquil beauty of a snowfall. I, I drove by here just uh, uh, the morning after, and the parking lot was beautiful. I took a picture. It was just gorgeous before the snow plows had destroyed everything. Just as pretty as could be. That doesn't last. But just a few hours of sunshine, it gets to look like it does right now. And you got to wear knee boots to walk through it. And it's a, it's a muddy mess. And it's all sloppy after just a, a few hours. That transformation doesn't last. That's not the word, though, that David used when he said, Wash me, 
and I shall be whiter than snow. The Hebrew word that our songwriter used is a word that signifies the kind of washing that penetrates completely through the substance that is being washed. It's the word that's used to, to, to describe washing clothes where, where the thing that's being washed is washed uh, through and through. It's the same word that David used a few verses earlier in the psalm when he said, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David said, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. The third lesson to learn from a snowflake is that in the matter of cleansing, we're different from the snowflake. The similarity ends here because when God washes us he washes us wider than snow he doesn't just cover up my dirty heart he doesn't just cover up my past and my faults and my failures he doesn't just gloss over my humanity he makes me a brand new man he washes me through and through my sin doesn't have a hold on me anymore my addictions they don't claim me anymore the things that used to govern me the chains that used to bind me they are broken by the blood of Jesus uh, and the stains uh, that were on my heart. Uh, they're not just covered over by the blood. I'm washed uh, through and through. Uh, when God gets done with me, I'm whiter than snow. He gives me a brand new heart. My past is forever in the past. It is cast, the Bible said, as far away from me as the east is from the west. You can't get there. You can't go east and ever get to the west. Uh, that's how far he removes uh, the iniquity of my sins from me. David said, wash me, O Lord, and I will be whiter than snow. The old songwriter wrote these words, and I'm closing with this. He said, are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? I looked over my yard Thursday morning and I was struck by the sheer beauty of the snow. But I was also reminded that this beauty is a passing thing. And then what was pristine and white on Thursday morning becomes a muddy mess on Sunday afternoon that the beauty of a snowfall is just a temporary fleeting thing but I come to tell somebody in this house on a Sunday afternoon uh, that the washing that Jesus does uh, the cleansing that Jesus does uh, it's not just a passing thing uh, it's not just a temporary thing uh, it is a thorough cleansing uh, when you're washed uh, in the blood of Jesus uh, it's more than just a temporary change my soul is cleansed. My heart is made new by the blood of Jesus Christ. He gives me a deliverance that this world cannot give me. Listen real closely. It's a true change. A new heart. 
and a new life. The world says that once you're an addict or an alcoholic, you will always be an addict or an alcoholic. The world has a system, a program, by which you can be set free. But the foundation of that program is the understanding. I am an alcoholic, and that will not change. Let me tell you something. That's not how God works. That's not how God sets you free. When he washes you whiter than snow, he washes away the past. He washes away what you once were. You're not an addict anymore. You're not an alcoholic anymore. You're not a liar and a cheater anymore. You're not a pervert anymore. You may have once been those things, but you're not those things anymore. Amen. The world says once you are, you're always going to be. But God said, when I wash you, I'm going to wash away the speck of dirt uh, that lies at the center of it all. I'm going to take away the stain that sin has put on your life. I'm going to wash you whiter than snow. Today, I want somebody as you stand with me in this house to recognize and realize on a Sunday afternoon, the precious blood of Jesus is flowing through this place. And heaven sent me to this pulpit with a message. For somebody that's under, I feel so strongly in the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hell would like to distract you right now. The devil would like to draw your mind in a hundred different directions right now because the anointing of God is reaching in this place uh, and he's getting ready to lay his hand on your life. And I want you to understand three things. First of all, I want you to understand that you are unique, uh, that God made you. And secondly, I want you to understand that he made you for a purpose. Uh, Amen. The chaotic things that have happened in your life, the randomness of chance and circumstance have conspired together to make you the man or the woman that you are today. Those things uh, are not just circumstances that happen to you outside of the hand of God. Uh, amen. I understand that some of it was a result of your sin. Uh, I understand that some of it was a result of bad choices. Uh, I also understand that some of it was, was a result of things that somebody else did to you. Amen. What I want you to understand uh, is that God, by his divine design, uh, brings all of that together to make you a tool in his hands. You have been fashioned for purpose. And finally, I want you to understand there is a blood. drawn from the veins of Emmanuel, the blood of Jesus Christ that flows through this house right now, amen, that washes away the guilt and the condemnation of your sin and your past, a blood that washes away the recollection recollection, and the remembrance of what you once were and what you once did. You think now, Brother McCall, I hear what you're saying. I'm original, I'm unique, I was made by God, and I can even conceive the fact that maybe God could use uh, the man that I am, but I can't get over what I have done. Uh, I want you to understand uh, there is a blood uh, that cleanses you, uh, that washes you whiter than snow. And if you would allow him in this house right now, if you would allow the presence of God that's flowing through this place right now, 
He wants to reach down and lay his hand on your life. In 60 seconds, he can give you purpose that you've never had before. In 60 seconds, uh, he can give you direction that you've never had before. In just a mere minute, uh, he can give purpose, uh, direction, and understanding. How many times have you said, why? Why, God? Why did it have to be this way? Why did I have to walk this road? Why, Lord, did it have to happen this way? Why did it have to happen to me? Why can't my life be different? There's an anointing of the Holy Ghost flowing through this place right now. If you yield to it, God wants to give you some understanding. Listen to what he's saying. The Holy Ghost is speaking in the hearts. I have never forsaken you. I have never forgotten you. He's trying to tell you that he's never abandoned you. Even when you forgot him, he's never forgotten you. Even whenever you pushed away from the promises you made to him and the calling that he put on your life, he's never pushed away from you. He's never abandoned you. He's never forgotten you.